Welcome to this week's episode of Seen and Heard, industry updates for the modern dairy family. I'm Darby Toth, a technical field services representative with Western United Dairies. And I'm Melissa Lima, the North Coast and Organic Field Services representative with Western United Dairies. Welcome to episode 12. Yeah, we're excited to reach episode 12. I can't believe, again, I said this last week, but I can't believe we're already at 12 episodes in and not counting our bonus episodes. I know we're rolling right along and I think we have some exciting stuff coming up this summer. Um, over the next couple of weeks, there's going to be a few vacations sprinkled in and out, but we're going to have some fun co-hosts to take us you know, through the next few weeks and probably off and on up to episode 20. But we're really excited about some of the stuff that's coming up. And I think, Derby, you're headed out next week and probably really excited to get out of the 108-degree <laughs> Central Valley. Yeah, I am a little excited. Um, Annie's going to co-host for me next week, so I'm really excited to listen to that episode. I'm headed to Colorado. My family has two dairies out there. So although this weekend is supposed to be 101 there, but then we're going to escape to the Rockies for a few days. So we'll balance it out a little bit. I don't know what I'm going to do, though, in 68 degrees. I think I might be a little chilly. I know how funny. Um, it's exactly 68 degrees <laughs> on my computer right now in Ferndale. But I was just thinking I need to come um, come visit you one of these weeks and just thaw out for a few days. But um, we're working through uh, this summer fog. We always say we get the June gloom here when it starts to heat up inland. That natural air conditioning comes in. So once July hits, we usually get a few or a handful of really warm days. So we'll be, uh, we'll all be enjoying the hopefully normalized heat cycle here pretty soon. You can step outside here for 30 seconds and unthaw, so. <laughs> well, I, uh, I'm looking forward to getting over to the Valley. Hopefully now that things are starting to open up, um, getting out and traveling a little bit more, but, um, on the subject of opening up, we're, we're back at the COVID talk on this episode today. And I feel bad. I think our, our listeners are probably really getting tired of it, but Hopefully one more episode with some reminders here in our Q&A session about what the responsibilities of Dairymen are as business owners for their um, essential employees. And other than that, we have some really, really good news on the market end of things. Annie brings us another week of great market reports. And um, Dr. Deanne Meyer, who we have worked with for years of um, UC Davis Cooperative Extension and the California Dairy Quality Assurance Program, is here with uh, CDQAP reminders and tips for the off-season or the non-winter season for dairy producers. And then, Darby, you had a great chat with one of our board members. Yep, I got to chat with our president, Devin, and that was great. We haven't had him on since the very beginning of the podcast, so it was fun to have him back and talk about how things have evolved and what's going on with Western and really what's going on just on his own farm. Great. Well, I'm excited to hear from Devin again and... Um, our format has evolved a little since the last time we had Devin on, so I think it'll be a good way to hear a little bit more about what uh, what Wood's up to as far as the board goes. Yeah, well, I'm excited to hear Annie's good news, so maybe we should head on over to the market update. Thanks, Darby and Melissa. I'm happy to be here again for another market update with 
some positive news. Um, the USDA prices continue to go up this week, and they're really trying to reach toward all the greatness that we've achieved at the CME in the past few weeks. The block price gained 27 cents to 242.95, while barrels climbed 19 cents to 228.63. And so those are really, um, really impressive prices in the in the cheese world. Um, those increases are, you know, seeming a little bit crazy, but if that's not enough, the CME uh, really pushed the, the craziness a notch this week, continuing to defy gravity. And the price on Tuesday set a new record, reaching $2.81 a pound. Um, that's that's getting to be, uh, when we're talking to get reaching $3 a pound, that's something uh, rather impressive. Barrels are the same uh, with a big increase, although maybe not as impressive. There's a, a, they're $2.40 a pound on the CME. Now, that being said, this was on Tuesday. Um, last few days, seen some uh, retreat from that. Uh, somebody must have realized, whoa, that's, that's pushing things a little bit too much. Um, and so we've lost some value here in the last, last few days. But, you know, we're still in the $250 range uh, for cheese prices to CME. So still, um, still very good. It seems like some of the headlines, you know, that are really going up in the news with um, COVID cases going around in many states and some threatening to, to shut down some of the reopening that was going on it's gotten the market and a little bit of a jitter and, you know, stock market reacted and some of that will eventually trickle into dairy if, if it proves true. Um, U.S. stocks of American cheese are above where they were a year ago, uh, but they, they did come down. They spiked a little bit in April and uh, in May they actually came down from where they were in April. And so there's some... Um, some positive there too. If we look at the USD butter price, it was pretty slow this week, just gained half a penny um, at the dollar eighty four twenty seven. And I think I mentioned this last week on the podcast, but you know the CME price has been hovering the dollar eighty range, and so at at some point the CME butter um, price, you know that tends to reflect to where USDA prices are at. And I think now they're in line. And so we should expect a little bit more stability for USDA butter prices in the next few weeks as the CME butter uh, hovers in that same range. Um, on butter stocks, they continue to grow. In May, they were up 21% from a year ago. And so there's really limit, limited opportunities for butter to keep moving forward. And especially if we look outside our borders, Dairy Market News reported the Western Europe price at $1.28 this week. So much lower than where U.S. price is at. Obviously, uh, trade for butter has not been a big part of what we do in, in recent years, really. And so at least that uh, wouldn't have as much of an impact. But um, still a little bit concerning that we're that far off um, uh, in prices. Another thing that came out today was the uh, well, not today, but this week, is the USDA's milk production report. And uh, it really showed a slowdown of production in uh, May. So the national herd had really started growing in the end of 2019. And that trend got milk production growing in the first part of 2020. And so reversing that trend took a little bit of time and it caused a lag in how fast milk production adjusted downward. And finally, we saw that in May, uh, production was down 1.1% compared to last year. Um, and so that was for the U.S. If we look at California specifically, the Golden State was down one half percent year over year in May. Interestingly, the um, the changes in milk production was very all over the place, depending on what state you're looking at. Um, but in particular, you know, on the top five dairy states, we're looking at Wisconsin and New York. They were both down 
3.1 and 3.7% year over year, respectively. But if we look at the other two uh, characters in the top five, Idaho and Texas, uh, Idaho was up 4.8% year over year, and Texas was up 1.9%. And even for Texas, that's kind of a surprising number because their gains year over year has been in the 5 to 10% range um, since really the end of 2016. And so this marked really their, um, their smallest gain since they've, they've joined the top five group uh, at the end of 2016. And so this concludes uh, the market update for this week. I'm glad to be providing good news uh, these days and hope this keeps going in the next few weeks. So back to you, Darby and Melissa. Let's listen in on Melissa and Deanne's interview. Thanks so much, Darby. I am so honored to be here today with a longtime colleague, and I would say definitely a friend, Deanne Meyer. Um, Dr. Meyer is the Livestock Waste Management Specialist with UC Davis and also the Environmental Stewardship Module Coordinator for the California Dairy Quality Assurance Program. Thanks so much for joining us today, Deanne. Thanks for having me, Melissa. It's always nice to visit. Yeah, we really appreciate you coming on. And today we're going to talk through some updates, but we hope you'll um, know that you can always join us when you have anything to any word to get out to the dairymen. And um, before we get started, I just wanted to say also um, big congratulations to you um, on winning the, the Bradford Rominger Ag Sustainability and Leadership Award this month. It was, I actually got a, an email from my sister who's a UC Davis alumni this morning about it. So I just want to say congrats. And we're so proud to work with you, Dr. Meyer. And, and the work that you do is just hard. Sometimes it, it requires bringing people into the room that would prefer the other side didn't even exist, let alone sit down at a table. And you do a great job of bringing everyone together. Oh, thank you. It was uh, quite an honor. And I was stunned uh, to receive that award. I actually knew both gentlemen and, and Dr. Bradford was my undergraduate advisor, as well as the chairman of the department when I was hired. So it's an interesting circle of life. Yeah, it makes it a little extra special. And we sure appreciate the work and know how well deserved that is. Um, so we'll we'll jump right into it, Deanne. We just um, wanted to get an update from you about some of the things that producers should be working on now when it's not the rainy season and they're having to think about mitigating issues that might come up on the dairy. So first of all, what kind of management practices can producers do to maintain compliance now during the summertime? So regardless of where somebody lives in California, they live in the jurisdiction of a regional water quality control board and Although they do things a little bit different from one end of the state to the other, uh, there's some real simple, straightforward things that everybody can help themselves with. Uh, the first is if they're having to do any kind of sampling to be sure they get all those samples taken and delivered to the lab and the results come back and get used. Um, there's record keeping associated with water quality regulations throughout California and keeping every last stitch of paper for as long as it needs to be kept, five years, having it organized and having it used is real, real important as well. And one of the big things we've seen some violation notices this last year uh, in the Central Valley was um, some facility maintenance that could have saved people from having problems with regulatory agency. So I think maintenance is probably a big deal for summertime. Um, and then for those folks in the Central Valley, you know, annual reports are due July 1. Right. And 
in the bottom of the report section, there's a little place for notes. So if anything unusual happened during the year, it's a real good place to put a comment. And if you don't have that in your report section, if your consultant doesn't write that special, then just put a cover letter on it and insert any unusual circumstances that happen so that the water board doesn't come back and say, you didn't report something that they actually know about. Right. I think um, I've seen a variety of things in there, you know, from something as simple as the pump went down and we have a maintenance record of when it was fixed to, you know, more complicated issues that come up. So it's a good place. Exactly. Great. Well, you mentioned summer maintenance issues, Deanne, and, and activities. And summer's a busy time, but it's a time we still have to be really on top of water quality. And can you just give us a little bit of a rundown of what some of the summer maintenance activities dairy should be thinking about might be? Well, the violation notices we saw this last winter um, was insufficient storage in the pond, as well as some standing water in corrals or standing water in the feeding area. And you know, those are land grading opportunities are right now when the sun's shining and there's not fog uh, in most of California and you can get out there and get corrals graded and get holes filled and, and take care of those corral surfaces so when the rains come, the water can actually run off and not pond because that is a problem uh, in parts of the state uh, where ponding does occur. Um, the other thing is, you know, feed storage areas, we, we don't always stop and look at the floor of all of that, uh, where the raindrops are going to hit in the winter season. And this is a good time to get out there and see if there's any potholes that need to get repaired or if there's any concrete that's worn out over the years and needs a repair as well. Um, and, you know, every dairy has the operation and maintenance plan. And it's important that that plan not just sit on a shelf. Um, that plan identifies the records mm -hmm. that need to be kept and the information that the farmer's committed to um, being sure that the facility is well managed and that water troughs aren't overflowing and that pumps are working right and all of that. So there's a lot of detail in those operation and maintenance plans and uh, it's a good time on a real hot day to take 10 minutes and pull it off the shelf and kind of look through it and see, oh, yeah, think we ought to be doing that. It definitely helps out when the inspector comes. Yeah, I think summer makes a good opportunity to just reevaluate everything. And I know up on the North Coast, we deal with uh, some different issues than they might in the Central Valley, but certainly a time to look at all your culverts and drainage areas and make sure that they're in appropriate working order for those rains, which hopefully we will get early this year, considering how dry it's been. We definitely like some good weather, um, yeah. one of the, uh, some rainy weather. <laughs> uh, one of the challenges we have with um, some of summer is, you know, gopher holes and squirrel holes and other holes and, you know, having irrigation systems that sometimes uh, don't irrigate where they're supposed to be because there's some kind of rodent made a home or a hole and the water's not going where it's supposed to go. So. That's another aspect of the facility to pay attention to while we are irrigating since it's definitely warm outside. Absolutely. Well, Deanne, uh, leading into the next question, there's a, a couple of things producers can do to help through their water quality and uh, issues. And you mentioned the binder on the shelf with their operation and maintenance plan, but there's another important binder most dairies have on their shelf, and that's their overall water quality binder. And if they've come to CDQAP classes over the years, they put those together and 
I often go to a dairy and, you know, across their management spectrum, there's all kinds of binders and they kind of complain. But this is one binder that they, in, in most cases, often use regularly. So um, those have been very handy over the years. They put them together. It's a great place to store information and pull out when it's reporting season. But can you talk a little bit more about CDQAP and, and what, um, what you guys do to help educate producers on regulatory requirements? Sure, Melissa. So the California Dairy Quality Assurance Program is a joint program with the industry and the University of California, as well as all of our regulatory partners and state agencies. And we've been going, believe it or not, uh, 20 years, 21 years now. Uh, and as part of that program, we've done educational outreach uh, 22 years wow. we've done that. Many people might remember when my daughter was uh, not born yet. <laughs> She'll be 22 in August. And so, you know, we've done educational outreach for producers to help translate the regulatory words into something that makes sense on a dairy farm. And every step of the way, we've tried to provide both the science to the regulatory agencies as well as what the regulation means back to the producers. Through the Dairy Quality Assurance Program, we've worked really hard to provide templates so producers don't have to hire consultants. They may choose to, but at least provide templates so people can take ownership over manure management and take ownership over all their record-keeping requirements. And the binders you talk about um, the compliance assistant binders, they're actually all on the CDQAP website and available for download. Re the, the individual documents are available for download uh, depending on what region a person happens to live in. So in the North Coast, we have binders for Region 1 and Region 2, and then in the Valley, we have a binder for Region 5. Right, and it's really important to get the right region because as I've explained to producers a few times, um, it, it really differs. The regulations really differ from region to region. Even here on the North Coast where they're very similar landscapes, there's some different things. So make sure you figure out what region you're in and grab the right binder. Well, yeah, there's little, little nuances between them. And I'd also say, you know, 22 years ago, we started our environmental stewardship short course. And at that point, we were doing uh, three different times, two hours of class, and people could come and bring their questions. It was a really safe environment. Uh, they could ask their questions. They could get an answer. And, you know, since then, we have a whole consultant industry that's just blossomed. But that the equivalent of that short course is available now online. Uh, and if anybody is interested in doing the short course in order to prepare for an on-farm evaluation and to certify in the Quality Assurance Program Environmental Stewardship Module um, by certifying, then you get a 50% reduction in your water quality fee. And so they can go to the website and they're welcome to send an email and get them the instructions so they can sign up and do the short course online. Definitely. And I know um, we usually have a busy summer with the inspector. I'm not sure how that's all going to work this year, but there is a deadline in September to get that done. So you can, you know, enjoy that fee discount for the coming billing period. But we really appreciate you guys making that available. I know all of our lives have changed a bit over the last three months and making that available to producers online rather than having to come to an in-person class has been a huge, huge benefit. 
Well, and it's, it's hard for people, you know, we realize that dairy producers are really busy people and to have to drive a half an hour or an hour to get to a class that's offered, it used to be offered once a year, um, it's just not convenient right. at all. And so it became very clear that we needed to transfer over to the online world. And so we've, we've worked that out and um, it's available now online. Great. Well, thanks so much for taking the time today, Deanne, and giving us all those updates. Is there anything you'd like to add for our producers in the midst of everything that's going on? I, I think the most important thing we all do is, you know, we have to keep safe. We have to keep our families safe. And that includes our work family and the people that are employees on farms. And, you know, we keep the health, the cows healthy, of course, but, um, Safety with this realm of COVID is just so important. And for years, we've talked about, you know, limiting and restricting who comes onto the farm. And I think now is a really good time for people to really appreciate those words and take the opportunity to tell folks if they're not part of the farm, they need to not be on the farm so they don't, don't inadvertently spread disease to employees and those people are part of our family. Absolutely. And I think it's it's been kind of interesting and, and sort of fun for me, I mean, if we can call it fun, to watch them. Dairymen are the original kind of champions of biosecurity, farmers in general, I guess, not just dairymen, but really we, our industry has really picked up on how to handle this and has implemented those those precautions really quickly and really easily because we, I think we get it. We're pretty dialed into that. So a good reminder. And Hopefully you're taking care of yourself and staying semi-sane and all of this. I, I am, and I'm looking forward to getting back out on farm to do the research I so very much love to do and working with producers and, of course, seeing the cows. Ditto. Well, thanks again, Deanne, and we will, uh, we'll be in touch with you in, in the coming weeks and months in case we have any updates for the guys. Thanks. I look forward to it. Okay, well, thanks so much, Deanne, again, for visiting with us today, and we'll look forward to having Dr. Meyer back in the future. Um, now we'll move over to Darby's discussion with our WUD board president, Devin Gilletti. I'm here with Devin Gilletti, the president of Western United Dairies Board. Um, thank you so much for being with us today. No problem. Thank you for having me. We're excited to have you back on. We had you on kind of right, I think our first episode in the beginning of the podcast. Um, we've evolved a little bit since then and um, we're excited to have you back on and kind of give an yeah. update. Yeah, thank you very much. You guys done a terrific job with this. Uh, heard a lot of positive feedback and I know I've, I'm a regular listener and it it uh, helps pass the time in the tractor or driving around town. So it's, I want to thank you, Melissa, for coming up with this idea. It's really good. Well, I appreciate that. Melissa and I both have said it's a uh, testament to how much you can hear your own voice and still try and like yourself at the end of the day. Yeah, I don't think I sound like how I do. Um, I don't know if there's a filter on here or something, but. Oh, I know. Well. I know. I'm like, is this how I sound in my head or is this how I sound to everyone? Because I'm a little concerned. <laughs> Well, we're really um, talking about COVID again this week. I think everybody kind of went through a little little period. And I know for Melissa and I and a lot of members, we've had a lot of new things kind of pop up, especially with farm worker cases. Is there anything you have that you can share with us about how things have changed on your operation or what you've done since we last talked? Um, yeah, I mean, we picked up on a lot of the basic stuff that everybody else is doing. But um, 
I guess a few little things that we started to hone in on was like the break room and some common areas where um, we thought it might have been a good idea for the guys um, who live nearby the farm, you know, within a few minutes where basically they can just start. And most of them were taking their lunches at home, but not requiring it, but asking them to, uh, you know, take their lunches at home. That way the break room's open more for the guys who live farther away. Um, cause it's harder to, you know, distance yourself obviously in a common area like that. And you can't wear masks when you're eating. So, um, that was, that was kind of something that we thought was a good idea. And, um, we noticed that before the weather got hot, a lot of the guys were eating lunch in their trucks, you know, underneath a, a tree or in the, in the freestyle barn. But now that it's getting hotter, um, we're just trying to, you know, I guess, you know, uh, save the space of the, of the break room for the guys who, who need it more. Yeah, I was thinking about that as you were talking about distancing. I'm like, oh, everybody could have eaten outside, but now it's gotten so hot that I'm sure everybody wants their time inside where it's cooler. makes it more difficult. Yeah. Well, I love dairy life, but uh, eating your lunch at 105 degrees out in a freestyle barn is, uh, is not a great way to enjoy your lunch. No, I'd have to agree with you there. I think I'd like to come into the air conditioning too. Yeah, yeah. And um, you also like, you know, the time clock, uh, you know, those are those are areas where guys, every single guy is touching, so... We've been focused on that a while with having uh, um, having it cleaned regularly, having uh, cl- you know c- cleaning uh, solution there to to clean it. And um, uh, we re- recently before this we switched from like a uh, hand reader type thing to a punch code, and that wasn't because of this, but um, it actually that was kind of a good move because now the guys can punch in wearing a glove, and uh, instead of having to have their their bare palm on a uh, hand reader, so that was that was something we kind of lucked out on already. Yeah, nice little stroke of luck there. Yeah. So your presidency has started out probably a lot different than some of your predecessors. Can you speak to some of maybe challenges you had to address or how we here as West, at Western are kind of adopting to everything that's going on? Yeah. Um, right when this, I think I was uh, elected in, I think it was March, and that was when we first had our first uh, conference call board meeting. So I was, um, we, we elected this year's officer, uh, team executive team, uh, under quarantine and, uh, through, uh, uh, the phone. So, um, definitely, uh, precedent setting and, um, but yeah, things, things really slowed down. You know, I have to tell everybody that a lot of meetings got canceled. Um, everything was kind of on hold March, April, and, and then into May and now June, everything's kind of picked back up, but yeah, it's been interesting. Um, we had our first in-person uh, board meeting, uh, I think, last month, and uh, it was only I don't know attended by I don't know ten or ten or few people, you know, ten or less people there, and a lot of people called in with Zoom. And um, yeah, I know we've been trying a while now uh, before all this even to to offer a better uh, conference calling system uh, for our board members who live <clears throat> to the extreme north and south of the state. And um, I, I think Zoom is definitely the best uh, the best application we've used so far, uh, and uh, it helps seeing everybody's face and, and helps garner a little more participation too. Um, so I think we can invest in more uh, technology in the boardroom there to, you know, make it even uh, even better with audio and and uh, video quality, you know. But uh, yeah, I think we've we've definitely uh, and, and uh, made some made some strides in, in making uh, the teleconferencing thing better. So 
Um, I would have to agree with you there. I'm particularly fond of Mr. Van Groningen's uh, background sticker change things yeah. he had going on for a while. <laughs> but it is really nice to be able to see everybody. I think it makes a really big difference, especially for the people that aren't in the boardroom, just to kind of be able to see what's going on and how people are reacting in the room. Yeah, it's easy, you know, when you're on just a conference call to just kind of sit there and listen and um, and not participate because uh, it's, it's hard to know when to speak up and you don't, you know, then you start talking over people. But with the Zoom thing, when you can kind of see people's faces and um, you feel a little bit more like you're in the room and it garner, garners a lot more participation and and, uh, and better conversation. So I, hopefully in the future, you know, we get bigger and better technology to, to facilitate that even more um, especially you know keeping costs down and travel and, and who knows how long this thing is going to go on um, but uh, definitely for especially for you know we have member we have board members who have to fly in for every meeting and uh, you know they spend two to three days um, you know a day to get here a, a day of the meeting and a day to fly back so uh, we want to be you know conscious of their of their time and effort and but we definitely want their t- participation so yeah, so going going forward, yeah, I think this is going to be the way things are uh, for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, so is there anything else kind of going on? You know, we've talked so much about COVID and all that kind of stuff. If you can just throw that onto the stuff basket yeah. <laughs> for a minute. Um, anything going on, you know, with what or maybe on your farm or anything you have to share with the rest of the listeners? Yeah, I mean, with uh, with Western stuff, you know, it, it, all of a sudden everything went from zero to a hundred with, um, water quality stuff. I know our, uh, a lot of dairies in our region got a letter from the regional water quality control board about having to join a management zone to help provide clean drinking water to the community, um, with us and other dischargers. Um, so I think, uh, a region down in Chachilla were the first ones to get notified. And then now our region here in, in Turlock and, Hillmar area is the second uh, region. So, uh, yeah, we got those letters. So now we're uh, moving forward with that and uh, forming management zones and figuring out costs and how we're going to provide clean drinking water to the community. Uh, then there was the whole uh, the quota, um, <laughs> yeah, the quota meeting where uh, I didn't uh, listen in, but I heard about the lunch orders and all the <laughs> wonderful uh, distractions going on uh, with hundreds of dairymen. And some of whom didn't know how to, you know, hit the mute button. But <laughs> so if I heard the one word mute one more time by the end of that, I think I was about ready to crack. Yeah, I would get an update from Anya after the end of the day, and she was just <laughs> beside herself. So I'm glad I didn't <laughs> listen into that. But um, so yeah, I mean, we have that going on, and um, uh, yeah, uh, got it. We got our airboard inspection coming on our farm. Uh, got that wonderful phone call yesterday. So. Now I have something forward, you know, good to look forward to um, over the weekend. And, That's uh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, things are things are kind of hitting hitting full speed here. Um, one thing. Yeah, but... uh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say I can you can feel it starting to pick back up again. Yeah, yeah. I think the regulators gave us about two months off, but everything's back on track and full force. So, um, it's uh, it's going to be a little more challenging you know, now that we can't have meetings or meetings are harder to get to. And if um, I know Stanislaus County um, is now one of the, and San Joaquin County are 
uh, experiencing some of the highest rate of new new cases of COVID. So we might end up going back into a lockdown situation. Um, yeah. So what's going to happen, you know, to all these meetings and all the, all these things, you know, in the future, um, if we all back, end up back in lockdown. Um, so who knows what the heck's going on, but. Uh, <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add as we're kind of wrapping up here? Yeah. I mean, um, I guess I would uh, encourage our guys about the, the dairy revenue protection program and the, and the other, uh, uh, price protection programs out there. Um, personally, I, you know, I, I, we're, we're looking at these cheese prices and I'll let, I don't want to talk uh, away from Annie, but you know, you look at these, these market prices going crazy. And, and I think what we have is the USDA, you know, uh, buying up a lot of fresh cheese for, for, uh, food buying, you know, food box programs and food service opening back up. But I'm, you know, I, I worry about what happens if we go back into a second spike or, you know, and restaurants get back closing down and the USDA stops buying um, cheese for uh, for these food buying programs, you know, we, the markets might come back way down again. So um, we, uh, we we bought a bunch of coverage of DRP back in, in December. So it was it was kind of nice going through all this chaos with with a good layer of security there. Um, and uh, now a lot of those prices are back up, at least on the cheese side. But um yeah, we're looking at doing some more in 2021, but, uh, those, those prices are really high right now in terms of, uh, premium costs in the DRP. But, um, you know, there's, there's still some good prices there. They're not break even, but, uh, it could provide dairymen with some comfort going into this uncertain future with at least having a, having some sort of floor on your, on your milk price and, uh, but still having all the upside. So I would just, I would just tell all our members and all, any dairyman out there in California to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Um, it's uh, who knows what's going to happen. And uh, we just got to, we got to protect ourselves. Yeah. And if members have any questions about that, they're more than welcome to reach out to us at the office and we can put them in contact with Annie and I'm sure she'd be able to answer any questions that they have. Yeah. I know Annie's well-versed in all this and, um, yeah, so I would just that's what all I could all I could say to our members is who knows what's what the future is gonna gonna hold, but we gotta keep in a mindset where you know we operate twenty four seven and three sixty five, so we can't shut down. So we always gotta be prepared with extra equipment and maybe even extra employees if uh, we start having employees getting sick. Um, recently, we've been looking at uh, doing some automation in, in our rotary milk barn and. Uh, before, you know, we we're always looking at automation as a way to cut costs and, uh, and lower our uh, labor costs. But now it might be something that we look at uh, just to help uh, reduce the amount of people standing in a close proximity in our milk barn and uh, even something that will help uh, replace employees if they get sick. So there's kind of another side to this automation thing. But, yeah. so <laughs> Yeah, times there are changing. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate having you on the podcast. Yep. Thank you for, uh, for having me. All right. Have a great weekend. You too. So this week for our weekly Q&A segment, as we mentioned, Darby, in the beginning, we're headed back to everyone's favorite topic, the coronavirus. And, uh, you know, in the interest of not 
kind of boring or oversaturating producers with this information. We really need to um, emphasize the importance of it. Um, we're just as weary of talking about it as our listeners are of hearing about it. But because of the recent spike in cases, we just thought it was necessary to give one more run through of just the, some reminders for our producers about coronavirus and how they should handle things on farms. So we pulled a lot of our information from the California Department of Public Health and CDFA checklist, which was published earlier this week for farms. And it's just a checklist for producers, which covers several topics that they need to make sure that their employees are aware of. That appeared in our update this week. And we're also going to be mailing it out this afternoon to members individually. But um, we thought it would be kind of a good idea to go through um, one of the sections on the checklist, which is the section about what topics employees should be trained about. And we would happily take any questions or comments on this section. And we do have all of this information for producers to post in both English and Spanish. So they can always reach out to us and ask for that. So the first question we're going to cover is um, kind of a, a catch-all but first, what topics should I, as an employer, train my employees about specifically? Well, the checklist provided by CDHP and CDFA outlines seven topics that employees should be trained on. WUD offers training resources on these topics, as we mentioned, in both English and Spanish. But we condense them into four main groups, which include basic info on COVID-19. So, for example, what it is, who is vulnerable, and how it's spread how employees should self-screen at home, when an employee should stay home if they're experiencing certain symptoms, when to seek a test, and when to seek medical attention, and the importance and proper method of hand washing, social physical distancing, and the proper use of face coverings. Kind of getting back, Darby, to that question of when an employee, or how they should, I guess, self-screen and when they should get tested, what guidelines did the state lay out for um, self-screening for the quarantine or deciding if it's necessary to seek a test? So the state tells us that any employee with a sustained fever, dry cough, difficulty breathing, sore throat, chills, headache, or any combination of those symptoms should quarantine until a COVID-19 test can be obtained. Additionally, any employee who lives with someone who has tested positive or knows they've had sustained contact with someone who has tested positive needs to obtain a test and quarantine up to 14 days or until that test comes back negative. Great. So it's pretty basic guidelines. And most of this is just, you know, reminding our employees what's going on. Um, is there any other measures I should talk about with my employees on the dairy? So as a lot of us know, masks are a huge topic of discussion right now. And despite what your personal feelings may be regarding the masks, on June 18th, the California governor issued guidance that masks must be worn when in a high-risk situation, including inside of indoor public spaces, obtaining healthcare services, riding on public transportation, or engaged in work. So this means employees need to be provided masks unless they choose to bring their own and they need to be trained on proper usage of masks. For example, covering the nose, wearing whenever they're within six feet of other employees or members of the public. Cultural norms in some communities have made it difficult to curb the recent spread of COVID-19. Remind your employees that as essential workers, they need to be mindful of ways that coronavirus spreads rapidly and try their best to avoid large gatherings or celebrations. 
and physical contact with others that they do not live with. Yeah, that's a really tough one. Even even for me, I'm a little bit higher risk and trying to avoid all these things going on, especially as everyone else opens up um, and starts, act, you know, resuming normal life is really tough. So definitely um, for those essential employees, it's important, but it's a hard, hard case to make, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I can agree. And I can, I think about you and how it's probably harder as people start to come back out, people are having these gatherings again, and having to kind of isolate yourself still. Yeah, and I think, I think the good news is we've learned a lot over the last few months, and a lot of common sense is really important these days but I guess we sometimes remember that not everybody has that so um, I think people are hopefully for the most part doing the best they can and again to our listeners like thank you so much for you know listening and hopefully soaking in some of this information we know it's really tough but um, I think it's it's really important right now to make sure that your workforce is protected. I agree. And as we wrap up this episode, we want to give a huge thank you to Annie, Deanne, and Devin for joining us today. And again, thank you all of our listeners for listening. It means a lot when we hear feedback, positive or constructive. We appreciate it all. Please remember to reach out to us with questions, comments, and content requests at wud.pod at gmail.com. And you can reach Melissa at M-L-E-M-A at wudairies.com. And I'm over at Darby, D-A-R-B-Y at wudairies.com. Yeah, and just rate, review, subscribe. I know we say that a lot, but it really does help, um, you know, kind of boost our podcast in the ratings and hopefully other dairymen will recognize and, and start listening. So thanks, Darby. We wish you a really good vacation next weekend. And I'm sure you're going to have a great time in Colorado. Thanks. I appreciate it. Happy weekend, everybody. The views expressed in this podcast by our guests may not directly reflect the views and or policy positions of the board of directors of Western United Dairies. We're proud to have many independent thinkers in our midst, but want to remind you that their views and ours may not be shared on certain subjects. Special thanks to Western United Dairy's 2020 business sponsors, Gar Bennett, California Dairy Magazine, FNR Ag Services, Farm Credit Alliance, Moss Energy Works, and Yosemite Farm Credit. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support. If you'd like more information about how to sponsor Western United Dairies or this podcast, please send us an email at info at woodairies.com. That's I-N-F-O at W-U-D-A-I-R-I-E-S dot com.